Hi everyone! Welcome to the Curiously Creative Podcast. Curiously Creative loves creativity and inspiring people to follow their own creative curiosities. We hope to bring you a bit of joy and inspiration with everything we do so that you can fall in love with creativity too. I'm your host, Akriti Lee, and each month I share conversations with all kinds of creative people who share their journeys and unique perspectives around their own creativity. We hope these conversations help us understand our own creative process and have the courage to live more creative lives. Today, I'm very excited to be presenting the inspiring, oh-so-young, but oh-so-onto-it, Olivia Bezet. Olivia is one of the youngest and most widely recognized New Zealand artists. A realist surrealism artist, she creates highly detailed drawings with a quirky twist of surrealism. Her whimsical animal portraits have made her wildly popular all around the world with a commission waitlist spanning over three years. Let's do this. Thanks, firstly, for taking time to do this, especially so early in the morning. I'm really excited. (laughs) I can't wait to get your insight on your daily life as an artist. So I guess the first place to begin with is really getting an understanding of how it's all started for you. Have you always known that you wanted to be an artist or was that the thing that you wanted to pursue full time? Um, No, definitely not. Um, When I was 16, nearly 17, it was the year of the day before my final year of school was going to start, which would have been year 13 at Arewa College. Um, and I was excited to go back. I'm quite a social person and I really didn't want to leave all my friends behind and I certainly wasn't thinking about doing art. I took it as a subject in school and it was kind of just basic things like drawing seascapes or shells or, you know, I felt like I couldn't really be my full creative self doing that. And so I started a Facebook page over the holidays before Year 13 would have started and just to show family and friends. It wasn't really, you know, um, something that I was planning to make more global or show anyone other than family and friends. And my cousin, Miss Lola, and she had quite a big following even back then and she uh, shared one of my artworks and then I got a bunch of new followers. I think I had maybe 200 and I'd originally had like 15, so it was quite exciting for me um, <laughs> at 16. and. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could start, you know, if I could turn this into something more than that. And I drew a rabbit with butterfly wing ears, which is kind of like my like my trademark. It's on my business cards, and that's kind of what people know me from, is the, the rabbit with the butterfly wing ears. And I knew it would either get a really good or a really bad response because it was so different. And it was a positive one, so I just decided to to do it full time. And I remember telling my parents, and they were so shocked. Like, they, you know, they were supportive, but... I'd never showed any interest in art, ever. And every one of my family artists, literally everyone does art, um, but in a different way. And I really wanted to do something different. What was it that you wanted to do? Like- I wanted to be a chef. And that's what my, my partner's doing. He's a, a qualified chef, so he's kind of living my other dream. But I was nice. sure that's what I was going to do. Or a baker. I do all my friends, like, 21st cakes. And um, I do wedding cakes and stuff from time to time. But... Um, Yeah, I never, ever thought it would be art. So do you feel like there was a reason why you didn't entertain art as... I think it was just, yeah, everyone in my family was doing it. I really wanted to do something different. I did actually enjoy taking it as a subject in Mm. school, but I honestly think it was just because I wanted to break that and do something that my family wasn't doing. Right. Um, And growing up, my brother was always really good with his art, and I I wasn't actually a very good drawer, and it kind of made me a little bit sour and jealous when I was very, very young that he was so good at it, and I just wasn't. And he's an animator now, but he's um, illustrating a children's book as well, but it's all like on a... on a tablet, yeah, on a computer, yeah. so very different. But oh, funny. It's funny how, yeah. like, how with families, like, the more you try to avoid being like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. The more you I start just, just being fall closer, into closer it. to it. Yeah. yeah, now I'm exactly, I'm like 50-50, my parents, because my dad's a, um, a gallery owner and an art dealer and works with some really amazing names like Dick Frizzell and um, Max Gimlet, and I've got to meet them all through him, so it's nice. been a huge oh, help. So I don't know why I didn't didn't think about it before but I guess I just wanted to break it but could it be like you were saying before where because your brother was better at it yeah I and think, you didn't yeah. think you were good enough you mm. didn't entertain yeah the idea I think that so there was any potential yeah, or merit absolutely. in it and yeah. that's what pushed me to do it I think because I wasn't as good as him I got you know I would start drawing I tried mm. my parents always told me and my grandma always told me to do a drawing a day and yeah. you just get better every time, and I still yeah. live by that now, even if I'm on holiday, just any kind of sketch or something, because you do get better every single time. 
And when I started seeing progress, I was like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could do something with this, but didn't voice it until that, the day before, year 13. Didn't yeah, tell when anyone. When the Facebook page <laughs> was taking off. Yeah. yeah. So when you started the Facebook page at that mm-hmm. point, and when it was taking off, and before year, you know, year 13, yeah. at that point you knew you were going to turn it into a full-time thing? Um, no, I think I was, uh, I was certain I wasn't going to do school and I was going to try to focus on it, but I still at the time had... Um, a job at a like front of house at Casablanca restaurant yeah. in Oriwa yeah. and I was just helping with the desserts and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and then I went on an overseas trip with my family to Europe and I came back and just decided not to go back to the job and just see how long I could pull it off for because at that point I was still living at home being 17 and I didn't have anything to lose so I just wanted to, to give it a go and I was within the first week I was in my first gallery which is Endemic World they do all wow, my um, nice, printing yes. for me and they also sell my work. And as soon as I was in there, they took care of so many things that I was nervous about, um, doing all the online sales. I didn't know how to do that. So once that was taken mm-hmm. care of, I could focus more on my artwork. They're amazing, eh? They, they, they are really incredible. set it up yeah. quite well. Yeah, um, absolutely. They've been a huge help. People like that. So what was it like transitioning from going, okay, let's give this a go, see yeah. where this goes, um, to then establishing a full-time career mm. out of it, both from the mindset of going, okay, I'm actually mentally going to commit to this, yeah. but also from the logistical point of view of um, taking action, making changes, and mm. setting up a foundation to really make it happen. Mm. I think it, it probably was that turning point with Endemic World that kind of set everything in stone for me. I didn't know anything about being an, an artist and I knew that I had to produce works and keep my, um, I knew the social side of things, I had to keep the Facebook page active to keep people interested, but I had no idea about online sales or prints, I didn't even know what a print was or how to produce them, because my parents work more on just originals, so that was right. a whole new world to them as yeah. well. And once Endemic World took care of that for me, I learned a lot more about it and realised that if I was doing my own originals and um, selling them and making profit from them, I also had the backup of prints from online sales. And once I, I got my first sales report from them, or you know, got my first uh, few orders, it was all within the first sort of month of doing it full time, of, of starting the career actually, mm-hmm. that I decided that I probably could keep doing it full time. But I jumped into that quite suddenly coming back from the Europe trip. I didn't go back to my job and that was quite a big risk. So everything to start with, my job has been complete risk, and I'm not a risk taker. I usually yeah. do everything the, the you know, certified way that I know things will work out. But it just, I don't, it wasn't like me at all. But I must have happened for a reason because I, I love doing it now. So. But do you feel like your Europe trip had something to, kind of influence it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, our Europe trip was very art uh, related because mm-hmm. they're all artists, and uh, my dad taught me a lot about um, artists that I'd heard about, and getting to see it in person is always inspiring. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was it was the first overseas trip I'd ever had, so it was kind of like a lot of new things for me. And when I came back, I was just keen to experience start more fresh. new things. And yeah, exactly, start fresh, and yeah, it just kind of fell into place. Cool. It would be interesting to get your um, input on how you approach productivity uh, with your artwork and your daily routine and work, especially in terms of managing your time, your work, your aspirations, but also rest for that matter. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the biggest challenging, especially when you're in an artistic discipline where things don't always work nine to five. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's definitely still something that I'm sorting out now, getting a routine in place. I'm, I'm still quite all over the place, but it's just something that you have to find out what works for you. I've asked so many people advice on this, on when you should organise, when you should do your commissions, when you should do the um, business side of things, because I tend to spend a lot of time on my phone doing the replying to emails or the wholesale or the um, stock take and all those Mm. kind of things that are, you know, with technology rather than physically drawing. And you just have to, the time management is is really hard and and rest as well and social life because all of my friends are at uni and at the moment they're on holiday and I'm finding it hard to you know, kind of sort that out because I want to spend as much time with them as possible before they kind of disappear again because they get so busy and I'm always busy. So it's just really hard to find a balance. My thing now is just um, I'm waking up in the morning and doing all of my um, business stuff on my smartphone or my laptop and 
when it reaches about lunchtime, I'll have a break, and then the lighting and the room I'm in now, and the new house is really good at around one o'clock until about five o'clock, and mm-hmm. then I'll do my drawing, and then when it finishes, I'll do all my kind of market prep. But in saying that, if I wake up and I'm tired or I'm not well or um, I'm not on the right mindset or, you know, I'm upset, I just, it is really hard to draw. I can do all of the business side of things all the time, you know, not depending on my mood at all I can just do it but the drawing it just doesn't work if you're not in the right mindset it will not work and I have tried but it just doesn't it doesn't come out well at all so it is quite tricky in in those instances do you feel like you have any tools or practices that kind of help you get into the mood like when you're stuck with that inspiration Mm. and motivation um to Um, just or is it more like you know what I don't feel like it I'm not going to do it it's it's become more like that now I I usually just kind of go for a walk or I get out of the house or I go and see my mum and and talk to her and my ideas kind of bounce off her because she's working on an exhibition at the moment. So we both do that. She'll come to my house and show me what she's working on and then I'll give her pointers. And sometimes it takes a fresh set of eyes Mm. as well. But no, some days I wake up and I just know that there's no way I'm going to be able to do anything um, creative that day and I just I take a day off and then the next day I can get back into it and then the day that I'm not drawing I just get all of the other stuff done so I don't have to focus on it the next day right yeah so it's mainly the creative stuff that sometimes you feel like you have to be in the right headspace yeah absolutely relaxed and not tired yeah where's all the admin no I can yeah I can work through that you can work through that when you're tired yeah 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 yeah. do you know why that might be I'm not sure. I think that's just, I'm a really um, creative person and I, I don't know, I've just always struggled with, yeah, if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm really happy or if I'm in a really good mood, I can just work full on for, for a week mm-hmm. just doing the creative side of things. But I'm not sure why I can just always seem to do the business side. I think I'm always on my phone anyway, replying to people and I just, yeah, set myself a task and I just get it all done. I find it really easy to. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I'm the same, and I've, I've been wondering about that myself. And mm. I'm wondering if it's maybe something to do with the fact that, you know, when you're doing admin or business side of things, is a clear outline of what you need to do. Like, okay, this is what I need to do, and yeah. I just do it, and it gets done. Mm. Right? It's tipped, like reply to the email or yeah, exactly. give them this information yeah. or just post on Facebook or something. Yeah. But when is when you're starting an artwork, you're like, we have no idea where it's going to go, Absolutely. where you're going to yeah. begin. Like, there's too much unknown territory. Mm. Like, I'll set myself a day to go. I'm going to work on this artwork. And yeah. I'll be just sitting there trying for, like, pretty much 80% yeah. of the day. <laughs> and then it hits 8 o'clock when I'm like, I want to go to bed early today. And mm. all of a sudden, I, that's where where I start actually doing anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, just end up spending so much time just going, what am I doing? The space yeah. of not knowing yeah yeah um and being comfortable with that and maybe that's why when you talk it out with someone it feels like you kind of rather than sitting there you're figuring things out as you speak to someone yeah 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 i think that's absolutely right what is it like working predominantly for yourself and by yourself as well and for that matter yeah i only find it hard i think um with the the social aspect because when my partner's working he's gone from very early in the morning to quite late at night so I'm sort of by myself one of the reasons I got my kitten um it's just I just need some kind of company because it it does get to the point where it'll get to the weekend and I'll usually have a market planned Mm. which are really good for me getting to meet people and Mm. get out of the house and have um, some kind of social aspect of my job because usually Monday to Friday I'm just by myself in the room with my easel doing artwork or I'm out here on my laptop or my phone doing the business side of things. So that's the only thing I've struggled with being self-employed and also just making sure that you get things done because being in charge of when you work has pros and cons. Um, it is kind of hard to to make sure that you... Well, I did find it hard. I'm getting better at it now, but just to make sure that you do get things done because being able to say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have to go to work today or I don't have to to do this or I can just go see my friends it's a really bad mindset to be in and I think Mm. for the first year when I was 17 maybe even 18 I was really not good at that and you would you'll notice if you had you know a slack 
um, week at work as opposed to actually getting things done. You could easily tell with how much you were getting paid and it's just something that when I moved out, I knew that I really needed to get that sorted because yeah. that's, you know, not living at home anymore. You need to be able to make sure you're going to make those bills. And it is tricky because you never, there's no set amount of what you get paid as well because no. being an artist, it's just, it's whatever. It's all over the place. So it's been a big adjustment, but it's my fourth year now. Um, so I've just kind of got used to it just recently. You don't find it isolating or anything like that? Um, well, yeah, it, it is isolating if I don't do markets. Mm. If it's um, like winter season, I don't really do many markets, and then I find it quite difficult. Those yeah. are the only things yeah. that kind of keep me together um, are markets. When my friends are at university, I can kind of only see them on weekends as well. So it'll be, especially last year when everyone was turning 21, um, all of my friends were turning 21 and I'd have markets on Saturday mm. and then have a 21st on Saturday night and then have a market on Sunday in the morning and that was really hard to do. But I jump at every social opportunity, especially yeah. with my friends and um, and markets. Yeah, they're probably the only social aspect of my job at the moment, apart from obviously things like this, interviews and um, yeah, going to um, exhibitions and stuff with my dad. But that's a very rare thing. So it's usually just the markets on Saturday and Sunday, most weekends. I want to actually just touch back onto something you said about how, you know, you really have to get your priorities and your discipline and your work yeah. sorted, especially for you when it was like when you're moving out of house, you yeah. have to pay rent and you have to, you know, be pretty deliberate about mm. everything. And that's quite a challenge, especially when you're, say, a full-time artist in this instance and your income yeah. isn't predictable. No. Right? Yeah. Week by week or month by month. Mm. And I think that's something that puts is a very scary territory in general and puts a lot of people off yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of pursuing uh, art as a career. Mm. How have you set yourself up with the understanding that it may not be regular? Is there some approaches that you take that make you feel more stable in that? Mm. I think my that's probably my commission work is the, the thing that makes me feel stable. Okay. Because um, I, I took on a lot of took on too, too many actually, um, commission orders. When I first started opening up commissions, which is custom drawings of mm. people's animals, it's usually their pets. When I took that on, I got really excited and I, that's when I was um, just turned 18, I think, and I just took on all of the orders and I yeah. hadn't thought it out. And um, when people started asking, what's the wait time? I added them up and I gave myself a, a week for each one, which is more than I need. I usually only need a day or two, but in case I get sick or I go away or yeah. anything like that. I just needed to make sure I had enough time and I was meeting those deadlines. Um, and it got to, it was three and a half years and I was really just um, shocked and overwhelmed and I didn't, you know, that's a lot of work and I still have three years of that to go because I did add to it and I've just cut it off recently. Um, so I'm going to try to get the next three years of work done and then um, I'll start commissions again. But that's my like mm. that's my definite pay is the commissions because if I if I'm falling short one week from other things, I can just take on another one of those commissions, go to the next person on the list. Yeah. So it is set up really well, but it also is quite scary knowing that I have to complete all of those within a certain amount of time. Yeah, and that you're committed to it for three years, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. I've read about that that you yeah. were um, you've got three years of waiting list and commissions. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's yeah. amazing. But also yeah, at the same time I yeah, can imagine it's really, it'll be really scary. overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that's like, yeah, success but all the same like shit. Yeah. I have to do this for three years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that yeah, that is my only guaranteed and even then it's not really guaranteed because mm. all the commissions are priced depending on difficulty, time taken, and size. So um, if I really need to, I'll just take on one of the bigger commission orders, mm -hmm. which is obviously more expensive um, to get me through, and then go back to the list of the smaller ones. I don't have to do that very much, but it's the options there, yeah. and that just keeps my mind at ease knowing that I have that option if, if things don't go as well as planned. Right, so would you say for maybe other aspiring artists who want to pursue this full time, mm -hmm. maybe having an area of their business or, you know, their work yeah. that allows them to have more stable and set yourself and figure yeah. out what that is for you. Exactly. So yeah. that you can feel more stable in your work and not go, Oh mm. my god, I only have to do this part time or yeah. um, this is not possible full time. 
um, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely good to just make sure that you have at least one thing that you know you can turn to if you know if things aren't working. But again, in saying that, it took me a long time to even mm. think of the idea of commissions. So to start with it is going to be a bit of a risk, but that's just that's what it's like being a creative person. You to start with, you are just going to have to do that. Literally everything that started this career for me was risk-taking. Yeah. And that's and if it doesn't pay off, then you haven't really lost anything. You, you know, you can go back to something else or you can try new things or um, go into different areas of what you're doing. Like if this wasn't working for me, I'd probably go more into the commercial side of things and design things for, for I guess, furniture or, or whatever if I wanted to. But I'm really trying to focus on the original artwork. But the different areas that you can um, visit if it's not working out for you. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's lots and lots of opportunities. It's just, it is scary to start with. But Yeah, and I, I guess one of the biggest reasons why it's scary is that fear of failure. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that's no matter what you're doing, whether it's art or any career, really. You can learn a lot from them, but when you're going through them, you know, let's face it, they do feel shit yeah. initially. Mm-hmm. Have you had moments where things didn't work out or something sucked or failed, crashed, burned? And how did you get back up from that? I definitely have had quite a few moments like that, not only with physically drawing, but um, the business side of things too. I've made many errors that I shouldn't have. Um, one of the art ones was in before my solo exhibition. It was my first solo exhibition in 2015. I was drawing this really big piece of a stag with animals in its antlers. It's called Life in Antlers, and the limited edition has since sold out, and I sold the original, but during the process of creating that, it was very difficult because most of my works are probably about an A3, and that's mm. big for me. Yeah. And this was about an A0. It was huge, and I hadn't ever done a piece that big. And I was excited about it because obviously if it's bigger, you can sell it for more as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just a challenge for me and I, I just liked a good challenge. And I was just interested to see if people would be willing, you know, to, from from selling my little originals that were a few hundred dollars when I was younger, I was going to work on one for months and months and put, mm. you know, during time taken and stuff. I think I sold it for 2900 I think. So nearly mm. three grand and that was... A huge amount for me and I felt I never wanted to price it that much my dad gave me this big lecture about pricing your artwork and how you have to sell yourself and I had spent months and months on it so I, I knew that I deserved it but it is it was a very scary thing and I was worried people would you know people would get angry at me I'm always nervous about upsetting other people through my art or making them feel upset with me I just I don't like that at all and during the piece I found it so difficult to to work on such a large scale because mm. Once I was about a quarter of the way through, that's usually when I'd be done with a piece um, in terms of size. Yeah, yeah, And there was just so much more, like mountains of more artwork to go. And my mum could tell because I was living at home and I was on the the kitchen table, um, didn't have a studio or anything, and my mum could just tell. She knew she, you know, you have those artist blocks and you just can't. And I was just, I was pretty much scribbling on one of the the antlers and it just it was just not going well I was so frustrated I was nearly in tears and my mum just pulled me aside and was like I know you're angry and you probably won't want to but we're just we're gonna go we're gonna I think she took me shopping at Albany Mall or something and we just got a coffee and walked around for a few hours and it didn't do anything but mentally it did you know like it just I needed to calm down and realize that yes it's a lot of work still ahead of me but I need to do this and prove to myself that I can put a massive piece of artwork on the Mm. wall and people will take me seriously and that was just a big thing that mentally I needed to do for myself so once I got it done it was all right but yeah it was such a challenge and yeah business side of things it it is quite hard you get the occasional you know like nasty message or or someone telling you that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing or someone telling you that it's not worth as much as you're selling it for which was my fear with the giant piece when I first started it and you get, I get messages like that very frequently, probably about five of them a week. Oh um, yeah, and the more my um, my Facebook page grows, mm. as much as it's good to see that, I know that I'm opening myself up to more of those people. And uh, probably about halfway through last year, I, I posted it publicly on my Facebook art page too. My partner Steve was going to take over the the messaging side of things. Like he would he'd filter out all the bad ones and delete them before I got to see them. And then I'll just be left with the, the business ones or the nice messages or yeah. just things that I needed to read myself. And he still does that now, but 
sometimes, you know, if he goes away or if he's at work and I get one and he hasn't read it in time because um, he has access to it on his phone, if I'm the first one to open it, then, yeah, I just have to deal with it. But I'm a very soft, out-of-shell person. It just really... And I know that it shouldn't affect me, but that's something that I'm still learning, and I think that's something I'll always be learning. That's a really hard one. It is, yeah. I've heard a lot about that. As you grow, you yeah, like you said, you open yourself up yeah. to more of the negative comments mm. as well. When you do read it, though, how do you emotionally mm. process it? I'm so bad at it. We... um. I mean, he's he's come home and just found me on the couch, like, just sobbing over my phone, and he'll just, you know, take it away from me. And that was the, the last time it ever happened, and from yeah. then on he, he said, I'm just going to do those those messages because they're always so pointless, and I know for a fact that the person is, you know, has nothing better to do than just sit behind a computer and send a nasty, nasty mm. message. I understand all of that, and I get it, but for some reason I can't mentally be okay with it, and I don't know what you know I don't know how to fix that I think that just is who I am as a person my mum's much the same we're very soft people so as much as I've had advice from Miss Lola for example she Mm. gets messages all the time a lot more frequently than me because her following is probably 10 times greater than mine um she you know she handles it so well um and I have no idea how she does it and she's been trying to teach me and tell me how she deals with it but as much as I hear from her I, I still can't manage to to be all right with it I'm definitely better than I was last year but I think with my age as well it's going to take me quite a bit of time what is some some of the advice just out of curiosity pretty much just you know put yourself in their shoes and think for a minute like what kind of person do they have to be to be able to do that because she said you know you would never be someone that would and, and if you reply to them or if you get upset and write which I have many times um which I don't anymore write publicly on your Facebook page about how it's upsetting you, that's like a win for them. Yeah. They want a reaction out of you. And people will always do that. I don't think it's ever going to stop. But I think by not replying to them or not giving them the time of day or the satisfaction that they're mm. after, then um, it has died down since I've stopped replying because I used to reply not an aggressive way. I actually did the opposite and would like apologize. And it was stupid because I don't know what I was apologizing for. Because yeah. most of them, 99% of them are just nasty, unnecessary messages. Some of them are like um, constructive feedback, which I, I take and I do reply mm-hmm. to those. They don't need to be deleted. It's people just wanting to um, teach me, you know, what, what they have learned from their own experiences. But usually it's just really nasty well, that's people. the other thing as well right like um yeah. everyone will have an opinion and you can't take it at the end of the day you have to be true to yourself but also like in terms of a growth like who are the people who you trust the most based on mm. either what industry or work they do or whether like whether your family who you know have love you and have your best interests at heart you yeah. know but yeah it's 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 a hard one yeah um back into you were saying your dad gave you advice about about pricing your artwork mm. That is very hard. That is definitely the hardest. I get sent that question all the time from upcoming artists, and I still (laughs) don't know how to reply. I just try to give them a rough guide on what my dad taught me. But even then, I've—it's not like he sat me down and gave me a full lesson. He's well, he does do that. But I mean, I've grown up with this him just you know feeding me bits of knowledge all the time since I was young because he always wanted me to be an artist. All I know is that you basically have to start somewhere. Yeah. I remember when I when I first started, I was selling, I think, the originals, which is a lot of money for me then. Um, when I was 16, I think I was selling them for about $120, which was a lot because I had friends that had art pages and you'd, you'd be selling them for probably about 50 or $60 for an original. As you know, a 16-year-old artist, that was mm. just... That was normal, and that's what I was going to price mine at. And Dad just said, just start it at 120. And he said, if you don't end up doing anything with it, that's a good, you know, that's a good amount of money to pay for an original piece of artwork. He said, you need to just take your age out of it. Just stop thinking about Mm. your age, because he said you need to be thinking about the skill that you have rather than the age. And I'm still trying to do that now, as it's hard feeling like you can charge a lot of money for something when you're so young, but. He's always taught me, like, that's not how you judge it. He said, 
in all of his um, exhibitions. It's not age isn't it, even if some of them are very, very young. It's not a topic that they talk about. It's the artwork and the skill behind it. And, and the time that's taken you to create And the time that, right? taken, absolutely. No one's yeah. ever really going to know, yeah. really going to understand fully how much time it takes to create Yeah, exactly. Something. And not even just um, time taken on the piece itself, but time taken learning and um, That's right. um, studying if people have studied or just mm. sketching and practicing and all of the experimenting behind that one piece is just so much greater than anyone will ever understand mm. just yeah. looking at a piece of art you know I, I, I kept that those price brackets for a while and then um, my dad told me it was ready to I think after about six months you meant to you meant to up it or you um, you time yourself and I don't do it all the time, but I have timed myself probably about once every year I do mm-hmm. a piece from start to finish and see how much um, time it takes me. And it's getting longer and longer every time because I'm getting fussier and fussier. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm getting faster at drawing because I know how it works. It's the complete opposite. And I think that's the same for a lot of people I've talked to because um, you're learning new techniques and they're always more complicated because if your art's getting better, you're usually taking the longer route with how to do things. So whereas a piece used to take me about 30 minutes, it will now take me you know, three afternoons or three days or however long I've spent on it worth of work. And even then, I always feel like I can spend longer on it. I can keep going and keep improving um, on that one art piece, but there comes a time where you just have to stop and put the mm. pencil down, otherwise you overwork it. Because um, my artwork is, I'm trying to be realistic, but not to the point where it looks like a photo. I still want it to feel right. like art. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I've done pieces where I think I've taken it too far with realism, and I still want it to be artwork. I want you to be able to see the pencil lines if you look out really close, and that's something that, that's just me personally, though. Some yeah. people are going for the fill. They want it to resemble a photograph, and the skill in that is ridiculous. I don't think I'd ever be able to do an exact, you know, mm-hmm photorealistic image but yeah it's each to their own and, and pricing is everyone everyone's going to have different prices all of the time but it's just one of those things where you you know you need to make sure that the amount of work you're doing you are getting a fair amount of pay for it even if you just sort out how much you'd like to get hourly from a normal job and just base it off that to start with mm. and then just see how long it takes you because I think people don't realize how long art takes them themselves if they don't time it because I know I was surprised I took way longer than I thought I was taking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you sit down and you time it, I think you'd be quite surprised that you spend a lot of time and you should be getting um, paid you enough get a bit it. more clarity on how much effort you've put into it. Exactly, And yeah. then feel more comfortable about charging for your effort yeah, rather you than do, yeah. an end piece. Because when it's done, you're like, oh, okay, is this artwork good enough? Like, yeah, does someone exactly. like it? Or is, yeah. like, is it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like, if you look at it from a perspective of how much time, how much effort have I put in, what are the skills? I'm getting better. This is better than the one that I did you exactly. know, two yeah. months ago or whatever. Then you can slowly, gradually go, you know what? It deserves this. Yeah. And for people who really value it, they will. Buy Absolutely, it. they yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you generally come up with your ideas for and build together a piece of art or any project, um, really? It's, it's usually, I have a, I don't have physical lists um, ever, but it's a, a mental list of animals in my head that I know that I am going to eventually draw and it's animals because I'm allergic to animals but <laughs> the ragdoll I'm not I have a rabbit outside who I'm very allergic to but that's I think that's the reason I draw them just in case that was going to come up I yeah I have a list of animals that I really want to draw um ones that I want to revisit that I drew maybe when I started like I recently drew a kingfisher and I'd drawn one when I was 15 before I started the artwork and I just wanted to kind of compare them and it's nice to revisit them, and then I can do a print of it if it's a new one as well. But yeah, it's it's just a mental list of animals, and I don't ever plan the surreal part. If there is going to be a surreal part, sometimes I just draw the animal. But I'll sketch it out, and I'll add its little personality or quirks, or give it a smile or whatever kind of expression I want it to have. And then while I'm working on it, I will like the butterfly with the Um, the bunny with the butterfly wing ears was a very spur of the moment kind of thing I hadn't done the ears yet and I sketched in butterfly wings and I thought that it looks quite strange like I'm not sure if I if I like how it looks but I decided to commit to it and just do it and I like the end product and usually that's the same with all my pieces now is if it's quite unusual the sketch doesn't look great if it's just black and white pencil but then when you start adding the color or building on it I always end up liking it and now I, I trust myself so I'll 
I'll do the sketch and I'll trust that it will look better once I've, I've finished it. Did you have a process of figuring out what surreal elements would you want to add? Just yeah, it, it depends on, on the animal. It usually is just, you know, if I think it will suit it or what kind of personality I give it. I tend to create them, like make little characters almost out of them, like the little the squirrels I did. The piece is called The Maker, and it's just like an adult squirrel who's making like a daisy chain kind of headband thing, and then it's got two little herb children basically and one of them's wearing it and one of them's putting on and it's I don't know I just I got that personality from squirrels because obviously when I looked up all the reference photos for squirrels they all had their hands up together like that because they were eating enough usually but I don't I just didn't see it like that because I've seen them in person too in Europe and I just thought oh it just looks like they're like knitting or making something so it depends on the animal individually what mm. what I think it suits and the butterfly bunny thing has become just kind of like a series of mine so I've done heaps of rabbits that have the butterfly wing ears now but I just like seeing them like that I like looking at something and seeing it differently and I always you know even just in day-to-day life I see things differently I think to um, my friends because I've spoken about it out loud and they're always like it's a bit weird like I'm like oh imagine if it had this and that and they're like oh that's really strange but then I'll go home and draw it and then I'll, I'll sell it as a print or something and yeah I get a 50-50 reaction sometimes I do a piece that's a bit weird and people think I've gone a bit off the rails but that's, that's <laughs> art like that that's is true. what art is you know you have to try those new things and if you don't like it then again what have you lost you haven't there'll be someone out there that loves it and at the end of the day, no matter what you do, there will be someone who loves it and someone who doesn't. Exactly. You know, there's, there's never going to be anything that has a 100% consensus. Absolutely. I guess you just have to try. Yeah, exactly. So have you had any moments where you've been stuck for ideas or inspiration? Yeah, I have. It's always when I'm doing an exhibition, which is the most unfortunate <laughs> time to be stuck for ideas. But it always happens when I've got like a, a deadline, like I need to get all these originals finished. Yeah, again, I just kind of go back to the, the mental list of animals I have. And even then, sometimes that doesn't work. I, I don't. The whole thing is just trial and error. There's lots of pieces in my art book. If you flick through, there's lots of eyes that I've started that just, I always start with the eye, that just don't look great. So I just stopped. And they're animals that I never finished drawing. And I'll never go back to that same piece, but I flick through it every now and then and see, like, what are my, like, failed pieces? And then yeah. I'll try to start again. And sometimes it takes two or three or five times before I end up actually drawing it because it just keeps not working. But it's just something you have to push through. And it just happens when you I'm getting really picky and fussy with my drawing now. So it's just a problem that I think I'll always have. But... Again, it's just, you just have to push through it. And if you don't like it in the end, then that's just, it's, it's fine. That happens with art. You're not going to mm. always finish a piece and be 100% satisfied with it. I don't think any artist is 100% satisfied with any work they've done. That's just what happens. I mean, I have work of mine hanging in our house that I could, if I stare at it long enough, I'll start mm. pointing out all these problems or things I should have done differently. But that's, you know, other people aren't going to do that because they don't know they haven't sat through the same process as you drawing it. So it's just, yeah, it's something that you just have to realise it's never going to get to that point. No matter how long you worked at it or rubbed this out or added that, you're never going to get it to a point where you're 100% satisfied with it. But you can be proud of yourself for doing it. But also, like, it's coming back to that failure thing that although even if you didn't work out, like you say, you you go back and you learn from it and you figure out what exactly. didn't work and, what, and yeah. how you can evolve it or mm. redo it with a new approach. And that itself is, is a journey. Exactly. And a learning process in itself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you might draw it again and you might love it a lot more the second time when you might actually realise that the first one was, mm. you're like, oh, I actually like that better the way that I've done that. There's pieces that I hated a year ago that now I look at and I'm really happy with them. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it changes all the time. So when you're stuck for inspiration as well in that sense, you just go back to some of the things that you've tried but didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, goes back through the mental list. Of yeah, just different animals and, yeah. yeah, just experimenting. The whole thing is just, you know, experimenting, trying yeah. new things, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but... I'm going to go back into the motivation yeah. side of things as well in that sense. Especially, say, when you have this exhibition where you're like, <laughs> when I have exhibitions, that's when I'm struck yeah. for inspiration <laughs> yeah. the most, which is really frustrating. Yeah. But also, is it the same with motivation where you're like, oh, I've got a deadline, I've got to do this, but I just, I'm yeah. struggling. When you're motivated, but you have the space or not a particular deadline, 
you can go, okay, I can just take mm. some time off and get back to it. Um, but when you have a deadline, yeah, you just have to get on with it. it like, is, how do you get to that? Yeah, it is tricky. I kind of set little goals for myself if I'm working on a piece and it's just not going well and I do have a deadline, I'll just say, right, I'm going to finish just the face today or I'm going to finish this part today or um, I'll do this by this time or something. And sometimes it works. Again, mm-hmm. like there's occasional times where there's just no way that I'm going to successfully draw that day. But usually if I set myself smaller goals, it's easier than just mm-hmm. looking at the entire thing and knowing that that whole image has to be done within a week it's easier to just break it up but that's something that again I've only found recently I've just been constantly learning uh, new ways to get things done and I, I think I yeah again I always will be learning new and more efficient and easier ways that work for me as a person and I know that they're totally different um, or usually are totally different from advice that other artists have given me even mm. people that my dad has introduced me to huge names like Dick Frizzell totally different working method to me but it's just what works for you and sometimes it's just you can't take that advice and well, you can some people can but I just I can't couldn't do what he did for example and he probably couldn't do it the way that I do it but that's yeah, just yeah. different people you just have to find your, what works for you yeah, right? yeah exactly do you have any tools practices or mindsets that you feel help you be more creative with your work Mm. Yeah, I, I probably would be just yeah mindsets. I I feel like being um like hanging all my art up on the wall, for mm-hmm. example, just being surrounded by artwork, or again going to talk to my mum, who's an artist, and see what she's working on, or talking to my dad about you know his upcoming exhibitions or whatever. Just forcing myself to be surrounded by it, or researching artists, or looking things up and seeing where people were five years ago and where they are now with their artwork Mm. just things like that that will motivate me and make me realize that everyone's had their own journey and they've all started from one point or at a different point now and I find traveling is a a, a good way to get me to be more creative but again obviously if I'm stuck for an idea I can't just hop on a plane and go somewhere but it's just it seems to kind of carry me through because I do do quite a bit of traveling and I find that it I'm always thinking of trips from ages ago that will suddenly spark a new idea for me or I'll just be looking through my old albums on online and um, from things that I did and I just yeah I can find inspiration in, in quite a few different things or just wildlife or animals in general when yeah. I see one and I think oh I haven't drawn one of them before or like I said I'll be walking with my friends and see something and say oh it would look cool if that rabbit had butterfly wings or something like that yeah. but you know different every time so yeah, kind of everywhere, but in my own creative space, it does help to be surrounded by, I'm going to hang a whole lot of stuff up in my studio because it's all nothing on the walls yet in that little space, but I'll just come out here sometimes and work in here because mm-hmm. I like to be just surrounded by it. So it's also a little bit of like just changing up your space, giving yourself yeah. a little bit of a... Yeah, exactly, or even taking your easel somewhere physically and driving somewhere and then just setting up. And I used to, because we have a family farm and I used to, I still do it now, I take my... um easel up just walk up this giant hill on a paddock somewhere and set it up there and sometimes that is you know you just get more inspiration and um, motivation from that just being in in a beautiful place is just yeah you just need to mix it up I think if you get kind of bored and sick of sitting in a little enclosed space with an easel like I do it's just good to to mix it up or even just go out for a bit and just come home and back to it later if it's just not working for you that's just something that works for me. Something I think that comes up a lot as well when I talk to different people is mm-hmm. that when you do something day in and day out, even though you love your job, it's quite a challenge to stay connected with why you love what you do or why you began to do it mm-hmm. as well because you just get caught up in the grind and you're just getting on with things. What helps you stay connected and remind yourself of why you love what you do and keep on doing mm-hmm. it? It's probably partially my Facebook page if I'm doubting something or if I, I'm not sure how people are going to take to it and I upload it and get positive um, or negative as well, but I just look at the positive feedback, things like that, and going to markets, I think, and, and selling work in person and meeting the people or seeing kids walk into your stall and smile or be like, oh, I've got that one at home and things like that. And Because I'm always trying to make people smile with my artwork, which is why all my animals are usually smiling. 
and it's just there's nothing better than just seeing people walk in and they see your work and it's the first thing they do is smile looking at it it just makes you realize like you've you've succeeded in that aspect like someone is enjoying your artwork or they they buy your artwork because they want to smile every time they look at it and things like that and always the kids as well I just love seeing kids responses or I've had some really cute stories like a little girl um someone bought my butterfly bunny print when I first um, released them and the little girl loved it so much she took it out of the plastic covering and like cuddled it it was all crinkled and ruined and destroyed but she slept cuddling it and it's not even a toy you know it's a piece of paper so I thought it was the cutest thing I sent the the lady a new one but I thought it was just the sweetest thing just things like that and yeah yeah and you just feel so like oh that's you know I'm so glad people are enjoying it makes yeah, it all worth it because when you see your own work every day and day in and day out it's really hard to look at it objectively and yeah. you get bored yeah you, know, you do you're seeing yeah. it so much but then when you see other people experiences who don't interact with it like 24 7 exactly yeah um, and that they're enjoying it it's mm. like there's that sense it's of so validation good, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah i love being sent photos of my artwork and and people's homes up on the wall it's just, it's so weird seeing it still now when i get them it's so surreal seeing it in a, in a different home but it's so nice to know that it's there and it's being enjoyed every day yeah like yeah. you actually want it on your wall yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> it's also like when you're doing your own kind of work owning that can be a challenge mm-hmm. because of the sense of not being good enough or not like others do things or um, especially others who are say more successful than you have you experienced this for yourself where coming to terms with your own approach and your own style has mm-hmm. been a challenge and what advice would you give to anyone trying to really own and be confident in their own process? Mm. Mm. So you're always going to compare yourself to other artists, I think, or or look at someone's work and say, like, oh, I wish I could do it like that. Or Yeah, it happens all the time. And, again, it's just having to trust in yourself. And if you don't – if you're looking at other people's work and wishing that you could do it, then I think that's, you know, a, a sign that you should change it up a bit. Not, I'm not telling you to copy them, mm. but – find do something completely different maybe even that and just try new things until you're happy with your work and you can look at someone's work and you want to be able to appreciate it Mm. but also know that what you do is suited to you and you enjoy what you're doing because it it is really hard to to avoid that the comparing and yeah I think it's something that everyone struggles with I know even my mum does it she's very successful in her artwork but she'll always look at something or she'll look at my work and and say like, oh, I could never use pencils like that because she's a watercolor artist, and I know that I can never use watercolor like her or oils or whatever else she does. She does a lot of different mediums, and I just know that I couldn't do it. But I'm okay with that because that's just this is what I do, and I'm I just have to be happy with it. Yeah. And just you can appreciate other people's work. Everyone has their own strengths, right? And yeah, exactly. In that sense, so you just have to play to what you enjoy working with. Yeah. Um. So have you had any? moments where you've fallen into the comparison trap though where you've looked at something opened up a Facebook page and you're like why did I do this now I feel really crap about myself yeah my work and how have you snapped out of it yeah I think pretty much what I what I just said with the you know I have had moments where I've looked at other artwork and been like oh you know why why can't I do that maybe I should try something like that and the way I've gotten out of it is I will do something totally different from what I usually do totally different from what that artist does and just try my own thing and usually what it does is I even if I don't like the piece it reassures me that I prefer what what I'm doing or I know what I'm doing works for me because I find it quite challenging getting out of that Mm. you can it's easy to not easy but you can try new things and you can um, change your style but you'll find what you're set in a in a way, and you've been doing art for a while, you always kind of come back to your what you feel most comfortable doing, whether you're trying to go completely um, surreal or an impressionist or something, you'll always kind of still have your style and your trademark there as much as you try to change it. And that's just, it's a, it's a really wonderful thing. It's cool that you've got your own, your own style, basically, that you keep coming back to. And yeah, it's just, you have to just remind yourself and yeah, just appreciate it. But that's, that's not your work. It's, you know, and usually if I have something like that, if I really like an art piece and think, why can't I do that? I'll get a print of it and hang it on my walls, which is what I do. Like all of the artwork that I love flocks. I think she's amazing. I wish I could do things like that, but I know that I never could. And so I just, enjoy, you know, purchase it or just look at it and enjoy it. 
people probably do that with with my work as well like everyone does it with everyone it's just it's like appreciating something different to your work Mm. and appreciating it for what it is rather than turning it into a comparison and keeping what you appreciate about your work and yourself separate um what is your advice on becoming and developing your own artist and creative personality like this is especially for those people who are still trying to figure out what their style or what Mm. it is that is natural to them in the way they create and do things yeah yeah um again i think it's really just trial and error there's a lot of things I tried to do with my art that just I knew they weren't working for me and you just you can leave it and revisit it later if you want to but just move on to the next thing and you will 100% know when you've finished a piece or you're working on it by how much you're enjoying doing it I love drawing the animals with surreal features it's just something that I've fallen into and I know that that works for me but again before that there's there's lots of things I did that I just they weren't working or you know it gives you inspiration to do something different or when you've got the right style you will know that that's where you're meant to be it's really hard to explain but you just Mm. you feel that it's it's right for you and yeah you just get more inspiration go go to art museums and and research artists that you like and again find out where they were and they they are now it's usually you can usually still tell it's that same artist but they'll be different because you're always growing with your artwork and you shouldn't just think that once you've come up with a style that's it forever you're going to have to stick to that one thing because Mm -hmm. again my work you can tell that it's all from me it's the same artist but I'm always growing and expanding on that and I'm hoping in about five years from now it'll be different you know but again it will be the same kind of thing um that's the thing is you just think that once you've made a decision that's it yeah that you can't make another one exactly it's like it's this feeling of like oh i have to choose or i have to decide right now exactly what i'm going to be or what i'm going to do and the way i'm going to do it it's like exactly that's yeah even if you do that it's okay to change it too yeah 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 absolutely yeah and I, i think for you know if someone's wanting to start doing it maybe even transition into full time i do think that Facebook, as much as some people don't like it, it's a good way to start because yes. I have never had a um, a website of my own mm-hmm. ever. Um, I do plan to get one eventually, but it's really the only platform I need, and it is free. You, you I mean, you can pay to boost a post or whatever, and I don't do that. Um, but just the organic posts are, are good enough. It's a good enough base for me to work from, and it's somewhere to send people. And I've got the, you know, I've sent into Endemic World, or it's a good place to start, I think. It's a good platform to have. And then you can work off that or do whatever you want or get Instagram or do the whole thing and do Snapchat as well if you like. I don't, I don't do that. But it's just social media, as much as I can see a lot of cons to it, it is really good for starting a business because there is no way I would have been able to do what I'm doing now without that because mm-hmm. hardly anyone would see my work. That you have to have a platform where people can actually experience your work. Absolutely. If it's yeah. hiding in your room or mm. in your house somewhere or a studio, then it, there's yeah. only so, so much further it can get. So I have to share your work and Facebook yeah. and all social media is. Yeah, it's amazing for that. For that. It is yeah. really good. I, I have no idea how my mum even started or my grandma even started their artistic careers Mm. it would have been just pure word of mouth exhibitions getting people physically to come in or walking by and being like oh there's an exhibition on you know it is so much easier these days and we should you know take advantage of it while it's there and while it's free because i'm not sure how much longer it will be it's also Um, such a great way of getting feedback into how people are responding to your work right Mm. and really quickly yeah exactly you upload an image and then you'll know um, depending on your following you'll know from from that post you know how they're taking the things and obviously sometimes Facebook can be annoying and will only show sometimes it shows maybe 200 people my post when I've worked really hard to get Mm. like 15,000 people they hardly ever you know not all of them will see my posts but again it's just you have to just you know you keep posting and usually the 200 300 people that will see it every time will be different people every time or they'll like something and it will pop up on their friend's newsfeed that doesn't like your page Mm. and then they'll find out about you and um doing markets and handing out sorry handing out business cards and meeting people in person um 
doing exhibitions. You don't have to, I mean, my solo exhibitions were very tiny. Endemic World, their little front gallery is a tiny room. It's like a quarter of the size of this. And I think I had about 12 works and that was full. Like the, the space was full and they're, they're not big, they're small. Um, you can do things like that. Endemic World do that for artists. If mm -hmm. someone was looking at doing that, if you have, you know, even 10 works that you want to, exhibit and you're nervous to put yourself out there you're not losing anything you can just you know email them find a small gallery or email intimate world and just do it um and you know obviously if you're worried about people not showing up all your friends and family are going to be there and there are so many people that you know will walk past and you know like for example like my mum and my grandma's exhibition had great turnouts and they hadn't sent you know invitations or anything it was all just you know word of mouth or people walking around and we'll see it's on everyone's yes. interested in going to look at it an artwork especially if it's like an opening night or a, a, a solo exhibition and I think that's a really good way to start and then just yeah meeting people and talking about your work to people is so much better than just sitting in a confined space and and just hoping that people you, that your work will get out there you really have to just push it out there yeah. even if it is scary which it still is scary for me now even though I've been doing it for a little while and that's just it's normal you'll always be worried that people won't like your work or they'll be very you know you won't sell anything and that's just something that everyone deals with but push your you know your work isn't going to get out there unless you physically push it because no one else is going to do it for you that's right and like going back to facebook in that sense or some kind of social media putting your work out is like minimizing your risk as well like you can see how it goes let it evolve on its own say how it's reaching people or how people mm. are responding to it and then maybe use that as like oh people are really liking it or there's a demand from it maybe i can do a business out of this exactly. you can take yeah. small steps you know, it doesn't cost anything to put anything on Facebook exactly. yeah. to get feedback and get yourself yeah. out there. And then from there, you know, you've got the possibility to slowly build it at your own pace when you're ready. Yeah. Taking small steps, seeing what's coming out of them is so much easier and less stressful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what has helped you develop more courage and confidence in your journey and work so far? I know there's always moments where... You know, like you were saying just now, with exhibitions, mm. it's always going to be a little bit of, you know, uh, nervousness. Yeah. But do you feel like you have had certain things that kind of help you develop more courage and confidence as you go through those processes? Yeah, I think so. It's just, yeah, hearing positive responses or... Because you're never going to have an, an exhibition and no one's going to turn up. Like, for anyone, that's not going to happen. I know yeah. we all have fears of it. And you're like, no one's going to be there. It'll be like my mum and my dad and me. And it'll be an empty room. That's never going to happen. So it's just, I'm, I'm finding it easier now because I've been through, it's it's happened a few times. And, it, it, you know, if it turns out successful, maybe not as successful as you had hoped, but people do turn up and you... Um, you meet people or you gain new customers or just things like that. It's just as you go along, you'll find that it's not as scary as you thought and there's not as much failure as you think there's going to be. And, th I mean, there always is going to be some, but I think you'll find that putting yourself out there, people are always going to react well to that. People love people putting themselves out there and doing it. And I have people say to me all the time and, the, you know, they're like, oh, I'm really glad you've just, you've done it and you've, you've taken all those risks and you you know you don't know if people are going to react well but it's just one it's just trial and error the whole thing it's it's really just if you know if it doesn't work for you try something else and if it is working then keep doing it or expand on it it's all just you know <clears throat> feeling around for what works for you and yeah i think it's it's definitely encouraging meeting people physically as well i think doing markets or doing an exhibition, a small exhibition or something like that is something that I'd prompt new and upcoming artists to do because it is quite demotivating just being by yourself. Mm -hmm. And even with the Facebook page and getting messages, it is nice to meet people physically and talk yeah. to them about your artwork and just seeing the re responses and the reactions because you can't get that through messaging yeah. or you can't get it as easily. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a reassuring thing and just knowing that you're doing what you want to be doing and you're headed in the in the right track basically yeah nice so i'll finish off with a quote and get your thoughts yep. on it a quote by rita McBrown: creativity comes from trust trust your instincts and never hope more than your work i think that is a really good quote 
it is again like I've been saying this whole time it is just about trusting yourself and mm. I know that it's it's terrifying but that is where creativity is born I would never have taken the risk of drawing the rabbit with the butterfly wing ears ever that's you know because I was so nervous of people's reactions but it's just something that you need to do and you need to push yourself to you know yeah trust yourself and just say that I am going to give this a go and and see if it works and that quote is amazing for anyone that you know that is trying to do that I think it's a really 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 good quote yeah awesome yeah (laughs) and we're finished thanks so much Olivia it was awesome to chat and play with your kitty thank you so much for coming (laughs) it was awesome (laughs) so that's it for this episode of curiously creative we hope it has sparked a little or a lot of creativity and curiosity in you curiously creative is a production by curiously creative who would have thought So if you'd like to know our comings and goings and check out some more inspiring content, head on over to curiouslycreative.co.nz. Until the next episode, with lots of love and a massive splash of joy, Akriti, your creative curiosity advocate. Oh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a comment on iTunes as it helps more people find these conversations.